Man, how are you? Are you better than when you first got here? Isn't that crazy how worshiping the King of Kings will do that to you? Offering an incense up, up to him unlocks heaven. It, it unleashes something of his love and his glory and his goodness, his mercy, his grace. Um, man, Jesus, God, he loves to be worshiped. All right, how many enjoyed Andrew Harmon last week? That was good. We had, I, 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 was, I had planned to be away hunting with my dad and brother, and uh, Nicole was supposed to speak. She was wrestling. She had a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on with LifeWise and other, other things that she was into, and um, she was just like, I really don't want to speak, and then I found out Andrew was in town. I was like, what if we ask Andrew? She's like, yes, and uh, he took like two, three days getting back to me, and I was like, so you, you in or not? He's like, yeah, I'll speak, so uh, I heard it was great. I've not had a chance to listen to it. Uh, the uploaded version yet, so I'm excited to do that, actually. Um, so, and thanks for all who participated. Could you stand, if you participated in the decor, the Christmas tree, uh, this, could you just stand if you were here the night of decorating um, in any part of this? Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Looks awesome. All right, so uh, a couple months ago, a few months ago, I was just leaning into uh, what to do for, for Christmas. I always like to take December and uh, dedicate it to uh, just the Christmas series, the Christmas uh, season and, and, and Christ and, and him coming to this earth and how and, and why and, and all of this. And I almost did the series in, in uh, Easter, around Easter last year, we did um, simply Jesus. Like he is simply enough. Jesus is the main event, right? Uh, I almost did it again because there's something about me that just hungers for Jesus alone. There's something about him, like, like not getting wrapped up or chasing the glory um, distractions or the signs and wonders. And I love all of that. And we're open to that. We love the gifts. We, we operate in the gifts here. We love Holy Spirit. Um, but sometimes that draws you in and that oil sells really cheap. But Jesus alone is enough. He alone is worthy. He alone is enough. And, and when we were talking about Thanksgiving and, and a couple weeks ago when I preached last, we were talking about just the thankfulness and all things give thanks, right? And he alone, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's going on in our life, he alone is enough to be thankful for. His blood is alone enough to be thankful for. His grace is enough to be thankful for. No matter what's happening, no matter our circumstance, no matter our trial, no matter what's going on, he alone is enough. So I started leaning into this to say, Lord, what, what is it that you want for upper room and the body and, and to go out this year? And, and, and it wasn't about what he did or how he came, but really about who he is. So we've got three, three weeks here. Uh, I've got three weeks with you, and then we'll start. Uh, we're going to end the year. We're going to do an end of the year thing. We loved what happened last year. At the end of the year, the very last service in December, uh, we just came with thankfulness. We came with some testimonies, and we came uh, just pressing in to thank him for what he did this year and with expectancy and declarations for next year. So uh, probably just a bit of an abbreviated service that last Sunday uh, in December, but three, three weeks ahead. Today it's going to be hope in a manger. Everybody say hope in a manger. Now these are catchy, all right? These are catchy. Next week it's love wrapped in swaddling clothes. Can you say that? Loved wrapped in swaddling clothes. So today the theme is going to be hope. Next week is love. And then the following week, Christmas Eve, you heard on the announcements, uh, we've got two services that, that day. They are the same service. 
All right, we've got 10 a.m., 8 p.m. We always do a one-hour candlelit service, and we've been doing it since we have, uh, the year before we moved into this building, we started that, and we started it with a scripture writing party here. We can't wait to do that again in the next uh, portion of the building. But at at 10 and 8, we're going to be doing um, our candlelit service, and the theme for the sermon is going to be peace on earth, goodwill to all, all right? So that's the next, the next three weeks. And uh, so today we're just going to focus on hope. And, uh, but first, I need three volunteers. Um, you three look amazing there. Could you just come up and join me? Come on up, Judah, Kyler, Emily. I- I've got everything you need, all right? I've even got the scriptures dog-eared or, or marked here. All right, uh, my family each year, and I know we don't formally do this as a church. I will post this uh, to our private Facebook group page Um, But we do an advent calendar in my home every year. And uh, Focus on the Family has an amazing one. Uh, Each year they come out with it. I believe this year, um, it might be the same one every year, but it's called A Journey, an Advent Journey through Focus on the Family. If you Google that, uh, you just fill out this short little form. Uh, It's trying to get your email address, but it'll send you a PDF of the whole thing. Um, But I loved it because we we were out of town for a couple days, so we caught up as a family yesterday uh, for the first three days. And uh, the first section, the first week, is called hope. And there's like four sections. And three of the four sections are hope, love, and peace. I was like, I got to read day one. And then next week, I'll read read day one of week two. And then so on and so forth. Um, So are you guys willing to do this for me? Oh, Judah, would you go grab that microphone down there? That'd be awesome. All right. And then I'll give you your scripture. You are going to read the scripture reading for Advent day one is Genesis. What's it say? Genesis 3, 14 through 15. So you're going to read Genesis 3, 14 through 15. That's dog-eared right there. Judah, you're going to read Romans 8, 19 through 25, which will be here when Kyler passes that to you. Romans 8, 19 through 25. All right. You, You will start with the scriptures. Okay? Here you go, Kyler. Got the microphone? You want to hold that for him? Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Yeah, you're reading it right now. Let's see if we have it. I'll help you. There. There we go. Hello. Oh, man. Nice and clear. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all of the days of your life. I will put... What is this? Enmity. Enmity. Yeah, enmity. Between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring you shall bruise she, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel okay Romans 8 Judah 19. yes 19 through 25 and Kyler's going to hold your microphone that airline ticket there there we go For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the fruitful first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay. Whole paper. Okay. Yes. Advent begins with a theme of hope. This isn't the kind of hope that people most often speak of. A sense of wishful thinking, like, I hope I get that job, or I hope I do well on my test. Hope in the scriptures means a confident expectation based on the character and promises of God, especially his promises to send a savior who will redeem his broken world and rule of justice and mercy. God started giving these promises from the very beginning, from right after Adam and Eve disobeyed him. The woman received the first promise of hope from the Lord. She and her offspring would be eternal adversaries of the serpent and his offspring until one day in the distant future. One of her descendants would crush the serpent's head. This was the first promise of the coming Redeemer who would triumph over the devil and destroy his works, putting an end to sin, suffering, and death. God had planned all this before he ever created the universe. From this point on, he would unfold that plan throughout history, revealing it one promise at a time through his prophets and his word. Amen. Give him a hand. Thanks, guys. So the first day of Advent was focused on, on hope, on hope of Jesus coming, hope of a Savior coming to deliver, save, heal. Uh, fr from the point of creation on, God had this plan, right? And um, so, so we're going to focus on that. So today we're going to explore the anticipation of a promised Savior, the prophecies leading up to that, and that waiting period that I believe people out there who do not yet know Jesus are in this waiting period longing, even though they may not know it yet, for a Savior to redeem them, reconcile them, forgive them, and love them radically right where they're at. Amen? And pull them out from where they are to where they're supposed to be. So, so that's really the focus. That, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to set captives free. Jesus came to, to, to set uh, those who are in bondage free. He came to redeem the, the, the sin. He came to redeem and reconcile us back to the Father. And, and it's a beautiful story how, how the fall of man and all of this stuff and free will and how, how we ended up where we were and ended up in this chaos, but he had this gloryful, this, this glorious plan to reconcile us back to the family. No matter what sin, no matter what thing came, Jesus came. He showed up, right? He showed up. And, and let me just tell you this. He is still showing up today. He's still showing up every way that we need him, in every moment that we need him, in every facet that we need him. He's there. So let's just uh, start in Isaiah 7, 14. The first part is the prophetic promises of Jesus. Now... Before I get in there, hope. Hope is a funny thing. Hope, like, like the Advent um, paper said, it is not wishful thinking, right? Wishful thinking is, is I, I, I hope the Michigan Wolverines will lose. I hope Georgia will also lose, <laughs> right? 
Hope, hope is, is, is uh, when I was a kid, my, my brother and I, we actually can't remember who this was, if it was me or him. Uh, I talked to him this morning. I was like, were the Rambos you or me? Because one of us, I think it was him. It was Matt. Matt, that was around the time. We, we grew up, um, if you didn't know this about my family, we grew up kind of poor, all right? My dad was a social worker and a pastor, and my mom stayed home with the kids, raised us. And uh, we, we didn't have a lot uh, in our early years, at least of my upbringing and most of their upbringing, because uh, I'm significantly younger than all of them. So, but at any rate, one time, it was when Reebok was coming out, and they were the mo probably one of the more popular shoes. I think Matt wanted Reeboks, right? And if you grew up in Piqua, you knew there was the old mall, where like probably more of the cool clothing was. And that, remember the fountain you could flip coins in? Those of you who are young, you don't remember that where Home Depot and Walmart and all that is in Piqua was an actual mall. Some of it still exists there. It's like a restaurant, some other stuff now. But anyway, you could go there and get like nice stuff, or you could go to Kmart. On the other end of town, there was a Kmart and Kroger and a McDonald's with the old school uh, playground in McDonald's. Like the merry-go-round thing in there that went round and round. You could reserve that for birthday parties. I remember going to a birthday party once there when I was a kid. It was awesome. It was incredible. I was like, I got to sit next to Ronald McDonald, get my picture during a little statue there. It was so cool. All right? Um, but anyway, Kmart, they would have these specials, and everything they'd have there was basically knockoffs. And my brother wanted Reeboks, all right? We didn't have money. We kind of went to school just with what we had. And me, I was a chubby kid. I was what they would call husky. So they'd have to buy me men's pants, and then my mom would hem them, and they'd look ridiculous. All right? They'd go to, like, Farm and Fleet or whatever was there and buy me, like, the—I <laughs> was a big kid, all right? I'm still kind of a big kid. Amen. With a big heart. But anyway, my dad, Matt had wanted Reeboks. My dad comes back so excited from Kmart, and he's like, I got you new shoes. And my brother's like, okay, Dad, what'd you get? You know, probably anticipating Reeboks, right? Wishful thinking. He was hoping for Reeboks, but what did he get? He got Rombos. And my dad was so proud to give him these Rombos. And he's like, no one will know, Matt. They look just like Reeboks. Look at them. Look, don't they fit real good? And, uh, but they're not Reeboks. They were Rombos. And I don't even know if you ever wore those to school. If you did, you may have gotten beat up, but I don't know. Uh, if so, it made you tougher. But I remember once for Christmas, I, I, Power Wheels, when Power Wheels came out, I wanted Power Wheels so bad. And my dad, I, 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 I don't even know if I could even dream that big back then. And we were in West Virginia, and, and I'm opening up gifts, and all of a sudden they bring out this big gift. I was like, oh, that's for me? And then I open it, and it was a Power Wheels. It was like the four-wheeler version of Power Wheels. I was so excited unfortunate thing is here's the unfortunate thing I think he got it at like a garage sale or something and the battery would not charge so I can never use my power wheels so as much as I hoped for power wheels I couldn't operate the power wheels but I could sit on it and it was fun I could sit on it and I could pretend and it just increased my imagination thank but I will say this about my dad. We're just in story time now. We'll get to the message, all right? I will say this about my dad. My dad worked really, really hard, and he worked multiple jobs. He would deliver mail during a busy times of year. He would pick up extra hours. He would do different things. He'd work three, four jobs so we could have a couple extras in our life at that time. It was Christmas, and it was a vacation, and uh, I really thank you for that, Dad, as much as we teach you about rhombos. And... 
here's the blessing. We live in a double portion uh, faith realm here. And my kids had two power wheels that were given to them when they were kids. And they worked. They worked. It's amazing. And, uh, and now Matt probably has a pair of Reeboks. He should, because nanos are awesome. All right, so let's get into these prophetic promises. Let's go to Isaiah 7, 14. And I'm, I'm in NIV, ESV today, uh, just for the sake of some of my notes. But Isaiah 7, 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him what? Emmanuel. All right? So just tuck that back in your heart for, for a few moments here. Then we get to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, probably one of the more uh, famous foreshadowings of Christ coming as Savior uh, through um, a virgin birth and into the manger. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I want to read that again. For his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over the kingdom to establish and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So these are the prophecies, and there was many prophecies. There was 300 prophecies in a period of 400 years. And, and if you've been running with us for a couple years, you will have heard me reference the Peter Stone study uh, at the, the National Science Council, and, and I even heard John Bevere talk about this, and I geek out a little bit when I read this study. Now, you can Google it. Just, just Google Peter Stone and National Science Council study of prophecies of Christ uh, being born, Okay. Now, there's 300 prophecies, roughly over 400 years, and what we have here is this, this study goes in to study the, the likelihood. What is the possibility, the scientific mathematical equation of, of four of these coming true, eight of these coming true, 16 of these coming true, of, of the 300, right? And it goes through, and that's the cool thing over the last couple of years I've referenced and you've heard me say, you know, if only four were true, it was the same mathematical probability if you filled all of Texas with quarters and you marked one with a little dot and you reach in and you found the one quarter if you filled Texas with quarters a foot deep, something like that, right? And then you go eight and it's like, that would wrap around the moon so many times and then it gets into, if just, uh, I think, 48 of these prophecies were true, if they were um, in the form of electrons, it would take, I think, six billion years to count them. That's the probability of these prophecies coming true. So, so what we have is this environment of a Messiah being promised, a culture, a religion, a people longing for a Savior to be given to them. Now, in this realm, many, many things were going on, okay? So, so, but what we have is this, this, this prophecies create a sense of longing and expectancy, but point two is there's a waiting period. So the prophecies of fulfillment, and then there's a waiting period. Let me read two verses, and then we'll get into that. Micah 5.2 says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old of old from ancient times. Titus 2.13, a little more fitting. It says this, Titus 2.13, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now, let me just talk about the culture a little bit of this waiting period. Because, see, this waiting period, it was in a complex culture of political uprise, of, of Roman overrule, of, of all of these things, right? Religious opinions and very, very educated people thinking he would come in this way. Many of them thought that he would come in the way of a political figure. Many of them thought he would come in the way of maybe a king, right? You have almost like a civil unrest, rest. you have social issues going on, you have cultural issues going on, you have divisions going on and sin going on. Does this remind you of anything? It reminds me a lot of today. Everything that they're experiencing, and I'm talking to the point of persecution, to the point of death, to the point of stonings are happening, right? We're like, oh, our world's so bad. It is. It's, it's terrible, right? And we need the hope of a Savior. We, we too, are in this waiting period of, of a Messiah. We, too, are in this waiting period. But guess what? We're in a culture, and we're in a time where he's already come. We, we so often say, come, Jesus, come. He's like, I already came. Come, Jesus, come. He's already came. He's, he's been born to us. A child was already born. I'm getting so excited about this, I'm spilling my water. <laughs> hey, we're saying, come, Jesus, come. And he's saying, go, people, go. We're longing for this, and, and we're not in the same culture that they were there because they're longing for a Savior. And then when he comes, it's not like all of them had anticipated. I think we can take our circumstance and substitute in that time because sometimes we're expecting God to show up this way at this moment in this realm in this part. But it's not hardly ever what we imagine it should look like. Does that mean we deny the Lord working in every situation because it's not how we expected it to be? If so, we're no different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were bickering over all of this and missing the coming of the Messiah, who then missed this crucifixion, the resurrection. Let, let, me, let me move on here. All right, so the arrival of hope. Can you turn with me to Matthew 1, 20 through 25? This is the third and final point. Then we'll get into a bridge, then a conclusion. Or as you might hear me say, conclusion one, conclusion two. The arrival of hope, Matthew 1, 20 through 25. I'm going to be in NIV just today here. Now, I want you to remember the prophecies. His name shall be called what? Should be called Emmanuel as well, right? But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for which is conceived in her is from Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save people from their sins, and this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. This all took place. These prophecies, these 300 prophecies, are now fulfilled, and they are giving birth to, from a virgin Mary to a Messiah, all right? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, from the prophet Isaiah, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel and the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I, I want to get into here in a minute uh, of his, the power of the name of Jesus or the power of, of the name of God. 
all right? And, and I know there's a lot of Hebrew and different things, right? And I don't want to discredit, like, what we should be calling him. But in the context for, for us here, the name Jesus and, and the, the meaning of who we call Jesus, all right? But first, you know, unto us a child was born. Unto us hope was born. Unto us uh, uh, all of, of hope of eternity was born. Unto us, the reconciliation back to the Father and hope of, of mercy and grace was born. Unto us, love was born. Unto us, uh, forgiveness was born. Unto us, healing was born. Unto us, all of everything we would ever need is born. Unto us, eternity now is born that shifts time and reaches all the way back before we ever knew Jesus, takes up every bit of our mistakes and our sins, and takes us like clay and molds us and forgives us and redeems us back to the Father. If you think about the cross, it literally split time and it goes back and forward. Jesus coming to the earth here, he gathered, and if you think about the shepherds who found him, right? They found him when he was a little younger. Then the Magi or the wise men also found him. You got the, the lowest of low of culture finding him and drawing unto them, right? And then you have the most educated, most uh, probably prestigious people finding him and needing him and desiring him. Jesus connects all. His birth reaches all. It reaches all of history, every generation in from, from past and to future. From the beginning of time, God had this plan, and he knew we were going to fall, and he knew we needed reconciliation back to the Father. And I love it because Jesus in a manger became that hope for all. Think about who he's been to you. Think about the hope that he's been in your life. If you're sitting here right now, you have reached and grabbed the hope of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. You may not be all the way there, but you're not where you used to be because you're here this morning. Listen, like Nicole said, we've not arrived. We've not reached this place of perfection. This is not, oh, the more you do this, the more you strive, the more you perform, the more he's going to love you. No, he loves you the same yesterday as today and forever. He loved you just as much today as you're redeemed, as much as he did when you were a sinner and not saved. He loves you the same, and he loves the shepherd as much as he loves the magi. He loves, he loves the down and outs. He loves those who are successful. Because all of success is, is, is honestly, it's knowing him. It has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with what social class you're in, what home or city or place you're from, or where you've come from, or where you were and how long you were there. It doesn't matter if you own a business. It doesn't matter if you're struggling and you're coming to celebrate recovery and you're just finding sobriety. Jesus became the hope and he became the hope in this manger and he connected all of us into this body called a family, called a bride, and it's beautiful. And I don't care if you're new here. I don't care if you're still in that mess. Jesus' grace and his mercy and his goodness reaches in that and he pulls all of us out the same and perfects us in his image in the time of eternity. It's amazing. Let me, let me carry on here. So Matthew 12, 21 says this. And in his name, the Gentiles will what? Hope. hope. They will hope. Jesus is hope, and we get hope by him. And it's not this wishful thinking. No, it is the assurance of things hoped for. It is, it is a faith realm that it is the confident expectation. It's not like the rhombos or the power wheels that don't work. All right, his blood is powerful, and it does work. And we are clothed with majesty. <laughs> Rombos or Reeboks, it doesn't matter. 
But ever since the first Christmas, Jesus has been more than just a name. He's been hope. He's been life. He's been salvation. He's been healing. He's been restoration. He's been reconciliation. He's been deliverance. He's everything you could imagine. It's within his name. And I want you to leave here today to think beyond just a manger, but every time we pray, typically in this church, it's our culture to pray in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Because there is something about the power of his name. It is something about the power of the name of Jesus. There is something within that. And we're not praying in, in, in these letters. We're praying within the nature. We're praying within who he is. And when we're praying, everything we're asking, petitioning, interceding for, we're literally covering it with the power, blood, and the nature of who God is. Let me, let me read and just shotgun some scriptures to you before I close for the first time here. John 20, 31 says, When you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you have life in his name. Acts 4, 12, There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. So listen, first we have life, we have salvation. Colossians three seventeen. So whatever we do in word or deed, we ought to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. John 16, 23 says this, Ask anything in his name and he will do it. Now let, let, me, let me just... Beware. It may not be the way, the timing, or how you want. But we got to be careful not to be the Sadducees and the Pharisees to reject it just because we don't think it's what we thought it should be. Last verse here. John 14, 12. Brady, you can come. John 14, 12 through 14 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Listen, Jesus came to the earth through a manger, but he's not in a manger anymore. He was crucified, all right, but he's not on the cross anymore. And he was resurrected and appeared for 40 days and did these marvelous works and poured out his spirit for us. And now he sits with the Father in heaven, and he intercedes on you and I's behalf. And then he gives us this authority, says, greater works you'll do than even I did. What is that? If you read in another part in John, it says not a series of books can contain all of what Jesus did. Do you know the Gospels are a glimpse of his life? And you know most of it was only three years of ministry? We want it now. You know, 30 years of essentially what we would call identity or, or 30 years of, of alignment for three years of the assignment. We want to swipe it. We want to tap it. Quick, right? I get mad when, when, when Amazon does not show up in two days. I was told two days. And then, and then all of a sudden, like a Toyota Camry shows up at my house, and I'm trying to hunt. And they're out there digging through their entire trunk of stuff. And I'm like, what? what's this Toyota Camry doing at my house? Oh, it's Amazon. Because <laughs> they forgot our gift, right? We are in this fast-paced, want-it-now culture when if we look at this, it's like he, we will do greater works than Jesus did. It just might take some time. Let me, let me finish reading that, that text. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, what the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that God will be glorified. Sometimes we misquote some things, right? He'll honor the desires of your heart. Whatever you want, he'll do. Yeah, let's, let's read that first part. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll honor the desires of your heart. 
It's kind of like reading the first part like I joked around a couple weeks ago. Wives, submit to your husbands. Eh, Let's read on there. Because husbands, treat your wives as Christ loves and treats the church. We got to take the whole thing here. He'll do whatever you ask in his name to glorify him. Can can I share kind of a radical story? I'm a paramedic uh, firefighter for Troy. Been there um, 20-some years now. And got saved while I was there. And I, I started getting into the supernatural, started seeing healings, started being hungry. And because here, let me just be really, really honest to you what happened is um, I didn't believe in any of this. I didn't believe in God. I thought it was a system to control people and make people act good. I thought it was just a good literature, like, ah, it took a while to write. Because we'll start to manipulate when we don't see God from a fatherly, friend, savior, healer, deliverer, prince of peace, counselor, mighty one perspective. And we'll start to, if we only grew up or know or experience him as a judge, then all of a sudden we just pick it apart. Well, I, I said, well, the Bible says greater works will do than he did, so I can at least do what he did or more. Now, I'm not talking about replacing Jesus. No one will ever die again for you for your sins. No one will ever be the answer uh, to get to heaven. That's, that's finished. It is finished. That was paid for on the cross, sealed by his blood. So we got to be careful. We, we don't want to be <laughs> heretics or lunatics here. But greater works. And, and, and he says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I started reading this. And now in the eyes of a believer, saying, okay, if God is real, which I had a, a, an encounter with the Lord to prove himself to me, I said, now it's all real. And he says, I can pray for the sick and see them recover. I can see deaf ears healed. I can see blind eyes go with sight. I, you know, all these things. I said, I want to see dead people raised. So I started praying for dead people. Now in my industry, I, I get exposure to a lot of dead people. And I would pray for dead person after dead person after dead person, never see it. And, and I'll be honest with you, I just wanted to see it. All of a sudden, I, I switched just a little bit of my perspective, like, God, I know that you can do this. I know that it's within your ability. So if this happens, let it bring you glory. And the very next person I prayed for came back to life. It, it, I've, I've seen nine come back to life anywhere from pulling a person out of the pool who was dead uh, at a hotel to all these various things. And I have these crazy stories. Some have been published, and, and it's kind of some fun realms of, of walking in faith. And I don't count some that were uh, modern medicine was involved. I also don't count if they don't walk out of the hospital with cognitive thinking and, and life. So, but the first one, it was just radical. I mean, I'm talking like I forgot to pray. We're doing our thing. And we're, we're starting CPR. We get him to the back just to kind of get away from family and get him in the back of an ambulance. And all of a sudden, my partners are there. And I just, I forgot. I was like, oh, I need to pray. And I, the Bible kind of gives these references of like, he promises 70 years, but 80 if you're righteous. So if they're 80 or under, I'm like, Lord, can you raise this person back to life? If they're over 80, I'm like, Lord, do what you want. <laughs> you promise 80. I can't ask for more than that. So... You know, if they're overrated and they've lived a good life, like, take them home. But, you know, if you want, you can raise them too. So I did have one over 80. But anyway, I went to reach my hand out. And I didn't even get in Jesus' name out. That's what I was going for. And Jesus, all of a sudden, this guy sits up, 
pulls a tube out of his mouth. We had innovated at that point. Pulls a tube out of his mouth and says a profanity and says, I'm not ready to go yet. And I'm like, wow, it worked. The moment I shifted my heart to say, I want to see something happen to God, I want to bring you glory, all of a sudden it just started happening. And plus I started walking in a realm of faith to know that it could happen. And, and here's, here's what's amazing is um, this story unfolds. My partner was with me. He had been there 20 years at that point, had never seen it. He goes to the hospital and starts yelling and shouting from the rooftops. Aaron raised a guy from the dead in the name of Jesus. This stuff in Peter's shadow really works. And this is a Catholic man, really good friend of mine. And he's, he's telling nurses. He's calling his wife on the phone. Other paramedics are coming. And this is exciting, right? It's crazy. And then all of a sudden, we, I know the, the daughter of this man. And I actually just talked to her for the first time since this happened um, kind of initially, or at least within that year, of, hey, how's your dad? Is he still alive? Because this was 15 plus years ago. And she's like, he lived three years after that. But you know, he was already, he had already died several times and had, had already fought cancer, was already in final stages of cancer. And he lived three years after that. I, I can't explain why three and not 20. I can't, I, I don't know these things. But what I know is that became such a profound thing, then, then all of a sudden it happened again. And this man across the street from one of our stations, the exact same thing happened. That same guy was with me, the same outcome. He went crazy telling everybody about it. It was awesome. Bringing glory to Jesus, not, not me. So then I walk in on this second one. Uh, well, not second, but several later. I, I walk in, and a few days later, after, after a similar story, and the guys are like, where were you last night, Aaron? I'm like, what are you talking about? That guy you raised from the dead a few days ago, he died last night. If you would have been there, he wouldn't have died. I'm like, oh, come on, don't put that on me. You could have prayed. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why that was only a few days and one was three years. I, I don't know these things. But all I'm saying is when we declare the name of Jesus, it, the impossible is possible. When we pray in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden, all of heaven opens up within the realm and the nature of who God is, who his spirit is, who he promises to be and who he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. See, this is the thing. I, I, then I, I got in my head. I got arrogant. I started worshiping miracles. I started keeping track. I, I kept track up to a couple thousand healings. And then I was like, man, I can heal people. Oh, man. If you need humility, God will give it to you. But it's way easier to walk in it rather than have to be forced to receive it. So, um, then I started realizing it's not me that heals. It's Jesus. By his stripes, we're healed. Got a big piece of humble pie over a season of about three or four years. And uh, even started avoiding praying for people. Because I didn't want to be worshipped. I didn't want any credit to come from me. And then I got insecurities about it. Will you stand with me? Because that was the reality. I began to worship the healings rather than the healer. And I got what I deserved. And I'm still walking out of that, just to be really honest with you. Still walking out of even wanting to lay hands on people and pray. Still, still dealing with some of that, being called names and 
and being accused of things and being accused of arrogant and all these things. But the reality was I was. I was. I'm not anymore, I don't think. <laughs> That's weird to say. I'm humble. I think I'm humble now. I'm in the process of walking in humility with the Lord. And at times I need to be reminded of that. And at times I need to be served a little good piece of humble pie and seek forgiveness and seek understanding and seek uh, repentance. And today was really good to examine our hearts as we move into this Christmas season. You know, just examining our hearts. What is my agenda? I'm sorry, it's hit me really good. You know, as we build, like, why are we building? What, what is in my heart? Why am I pastoring? What is my agenda? Is it still to see lives transformed, set free, and delivered, and experience the goodness of God? Or is it to chase a number, or prestige, or comparison with other pastors? These are things that, that I just go to the Lord before, like, Lord, what is really my agenda? I think my agenda is really similar to my dad's. I want to see my kids walk in the favor and the goodness of the Lord and to just love him and be loved by him. And then you guys get a great benefit of that because I look at you as some of my family and kingdom family and children or whatever. And that's my desire, that you get to walk favorably with the Lord, and to love him and to be loved by him. And that your kids will experience. Listen, let me, let me just go here. All right. Then we'll close just in a quick prayer. I love what Jamie Van Gelder said a few years ago here. He said, I am jealous that my kids will experience and encounter the Lord in greater measures than I did and have and will. Now, that goes for all of us in here. That goes for each of you. I am jealous that each one of you in here will encounter the Lord in greater measures than I have. I, I know it's hard to wrap your mind around dead people being raised. What's even harder is when we pray with that same faith to BJ or Drew and it doesn't happen, or my mom. I can't explain that stuff. I can't explain why a 70-year-old man in his house with a heart attack lives, but not a person in a car accident or why a girl being pulled out of a pool lives and not one of your children that may have died in a womb. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't explain this stuff. But what I know with assurance is that Jesus is good. He is hope. And our hope is beyond what's in this world and is beyond in this circumstance that you might be walking through in this season, in this year, in this life. That his hope is, is extends to eternity and from generation to generation. Let me close with this verse. Romans 15, 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? Hope. That through our belief in him, we will have joy, peace, and hope. All right. Can I pray for you guys? I don't know what may have hit you today, uh, but I want to encourage you, whatever you need, whatever it is, we're going to ask our prayer team to come up right now, but whatever you need, as you begin to pray in the name of Jesus, ask anything in his name, he'll do it. I'm talking as, as, as radical as praying for dead people, as radical as seeing people in wheelchairs and praying that God and his sovereign, amazing grace will raise them up so they can walk again. 
whatever it might be. It, it could be as simple as, as the pain on the step toe. We, we started long ago with our kids to build their faith. We would never kiss boo-boos. We'd always pray. God, you know, God, take away the pain. Ah, she hit me. Okay, we're going to have her pray for you. That must hurt. We don't kiss boo-boos. We go to Jesus on them. We don't call a phone a friend when something bad's going on. We go to the king. Let me translate that to when you're an adult. My, my siblings and I, before my mom died, we used to be bad at this. We would get in fights, and then we'd call my mom and dad. And the first person to reach them would usually win the fight. Because whatever way you could spin that, I'm, I'm just, just being honest. We, we've been redeemed from that, okay? But the adult version of that was that. And it's like, no, we, we go to the Lord. My, my habitual thing uh, a couple years ago was anytime I'd run into the problem or drama at work, I'd call Nicole. Can you believe this? Can you believe this guy said this? First off, I'm bringing her into a mess that she's not part of. I'm letting her wear a burden that isn't her burden to wear. And I didn't go to Jesus first. So when I now have, am conditioned to go to God first, whatever it is, as radical as raising the dead, as, as simple as it is just dealing with some drama at work, as, man, if I go to the Lord and I just pray in his name, within his ability, he is the Prince of Peace. He is the Mighty One. He is the Counselor, right? That's who he is. He's Redeemer. He's Savior to all. So let's just pray that, that when we pray in Jesus' name now, it has authority. You can visual with, with your mind's eye, envision the power and, and the ability and the nature in which we're praying of who we're praying to. It's not the thing, it's the who. It's who he is. So God, we just, we thank you. We thank you for coming to earth. We thank you that hope came in a manger, but it didn't stay there. Hope came on a cross, but it didn't stay there. That hope is alive, and it's you, and your name is Jesus. You're Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God in us. You are everything. You are the I am. So, Lord, as we pray, Lord, as we need things, as we declare things, Lord, as we pray in your name, reveal your very nature and your will and your purpose and who you are in every situation. Let us see from your perspective. Let us see from your eyes. And, Lord, let us not overlook your coming. Let us not overlook how you show up in every circumstance and situation and where you are. Lord, don't let us be like the, the Pharisees and overlook you and overlook your presence and where you are in every circumstance. Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you that we can reveal a light for you. And Lord, in our coming and in our going, Lord, we just ask that we bless you and we shine a light for you and we bring others to the goodness of you, of your hope, of your love, of your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, if you need to know Jesus as Savior, we have our prayer team up here. And uh, man, we'd love for them to have the opportunity to bless you, pray for you, and uh, pray that healing, deliverance, or prophesy or give you an encouraging word. God bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. Love you guys. Bless you. Have a great week.